Hey everyone, welcome back to another video from a Man Talks NRL Supercoach. In today's video, we're going through the round 11 trade targets and round preview. As ever, lots and lots of stuff to unpack. So if you guys enjoy the video, as ever, would really appreciate a thumbs up on the video. And if you enjoy my content, would really appreciate a subscription to the channel as, as well, if you haven't done so already, as I continue to put out more videos throughout the 2021 Supercoach season. Um, I'll be putting the audio of this video up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well, if you guys prefer to listen to the audio of this as well. But let's get into the round 11 preview. So a quick shout out to our round 10 top scorer, which was Jedi Knights Victor. He's got a massive 1,599. I'm guessing he captained Nathan Cleary in our top five in our overall group league. We've got uh, Perpetual Motion with James, who's been there for quite a while. He's still killing it, overall ranked at 60. Uh, Jackson with Crown Hill at um, 252 overall rank. Thomas uh, Burgess at <laughs> um, 271, uh, Andy with Hopper's Fingers at 525, and Matt from England uh, with an overall rank at 565. Guys, the code for the uh, the code for the group is in the description below if you guys want to join it as well. So firstly, a quick wrap up of the round 11 teamless Tuesday. Not as much carnage that as we saw last week, which is good uh, to just kind of, you know, a little bit easier to digest for this week. I guess the key ins uh, for Supercoach purposes would be Kurt Capel is back from his HIA and his name to start again in the back row for the Panthers. Latrell Mitchell has come back from his four-game suspension, um, so the Rabbitohs outfit overall now looks a lot stronger because as a result of that, Cody Walker moved back to his preferred preferred position at 5'8". Uh, Benji Marshall went back to the bench. Um, Sam Williams for the Raiders is starting at 5'8 as well, given their, um, you know, lots of, lots of players are out of their side for this week. And Brandon Smith has also come back in at dummy half uh, for the Melbourne Storm, uh, with Tyson's movie copying an injury as well. And in terms of the key outs this week, uh, for the Dragons, they were the ones who got hit the hardest with all the suspensions and sin bins and etc. Uh, Josh Maguire out for five games, uh, Ravalawa for two, Terrell for Ono for five, Tarek Sims for one. Those are all suspensions. Matt Dufty got that AC joint injury. Um, initially, it was expected to potentially be a six-week one, but it could be very soon that he comes back even as close as round 12. Definitely something to keep an eye on, but his injury I don't think has uh, appeared to be as severe as first thought. On the Raiders, as I mentioned, Josh Papali'i with three-game suspension, Jack Whiten with a one-game suspension, and Josh Hodson with a one-game suspension are all the key outs for them. So the Melbourne Storm coming up are definitely against a much weaker Raiders outfit. Uh, speaking of the Storm, Ryan Pappenhausen is the key out. You know, unfortunately, that concussion and the six-day turnaround means that he won't be available for a selection for the Storm this week, um, which really bolstered the potential of Nico Hines, who we'll definitely be touching on in this video. Josh Curran is also um, out of the side for this week for the Warriors um, with that hyperextended elbow, um, and he is potentially going to be out for two to four weeks, so definitely um, something for owners to consider as to what to do with him. Um, for Manly, here in Foran is out for the next couple of weeks as well. There was some speculation that Josh Schuster would move into 5'8", but he's still been named in the back row, and um, Kate Cuss has actually won that 5'8 job. Lachlan Croker moving in at number nine for the Sea Eagles. Um, and Tyron Peachy, who was a very popular kind of round 13 playing center wing option, he's got a two-game suspension, so definitely going to be causing a lot of headaches uh, for Supercoach owners. And as a, we still have some of those lingering injuries from last week, and sorry, and suspensions as well, uh, like a day for feeder, Cam Munster, Harry Grant. Um, you know, they're still probably worthwhile to sell, um, and obviously still going to be um, unavailable for this week. So undoubtedly, I think this week, uh, Nico Hines is going to be the number one you know, topic of discussion in terms of whether we should be trading him in this week and who should we actually be trading out for. And one trade that I've seen that's very, very popular is doing like a Dane Laurie to Nico Hines and whether or not that's a good trade. 
and I think it definitely you know there's definitely some you know worthwhile discussion I think around that I'll firstly just start off talking about Nico Hines himself and whether or not he's going to be a good prospect to bring in long story short I think he's going to be a good trade and you know I mentioned last week as well that he'd be very handy pick up in round 13 and I wish I kind of listened to my own advice because we saw him score a massive 182 last week and he's got a three-round average of 116 he's been absolutely killing it um, playing that number one position for the storm uh, you know injuries have fallen his way and that he's been able to get an extended run in the team um, and that's you know anyone who picked him up at 296k a few weeks back is absolutely laughing so I think the best case situation for Nico Hines is, well, this week he's definitely going to be playing fullback with Pappenhausen out of the team. Um, next week in round 12, um, if Cam Munster doesn't return um, from his uh, in foot injury or something like that, because he was uh, suspected to be out for about two weeks at best. So if Munster doesn't return next week in round 12, you'd expect Nico Hines to probably be playing at 5-8 so he'd get another run in the starting team and then round 13 um, all the origin stars from Melbourne would go away on origin camp so like Harry Grant, Cam Munster and again um, Nico Hines would either be playing at 5-8 or at fullback if Pappenhausen also goes on origin duties with New South Wales so you would be looking at a situation where he, for the next three weeks he's getting um, an extended run in the team at playing at mainly fullback and maybe at 5-8 as well and that's games against the Raiders, the Broncos and the Titans. Fantastic games for Nico Hines um, and he's got a break even of minus 67 so he's really going to soar in price and if he maintains his average he'll go up by 144k in those three weeks so that in that best case situation he's a fantastic trade and target the worst case situation is that he'll definitely play this week at fullback which is still obviously really really good against a weakened Canberra Raiders outfit um, next week against round in round 12 uh, the worst case for Nico Hines would be that Pappenhausen comes back into the team, plays at fullback, Cam Munster comes back, plays at 5-8, and then Nico Hines probably gets relegated back to the bench, and he might have a game where he has like, you know, 20, 20 minutes and scores maybe like 25, 30 points, which would really hinder his um, potential price increase. But then again, he would be playing in round 13, you'd expect. So you are getting that vital round 13 playing number. So even the worst case situation for Nico Hines is not a horrible um, situation, really. So I think as a result, I think he overall, he's a very, very safe trade and target. Now, in terms of doing the Dane Laurie to Nico Hines, with Dane Laurie, I think, you know, the obvious reason why people are trading him out is that he's had a couple of low scores in the past few weeks, um, and he's got a really high break even of 107. So people are looking at that saying, I can make that switch, capitalize on Nico Hines' price growth, um, and avoid um, Laurie, you know, dipping in price after making quite a bit of money to begin the season so far. With Laurie, though, you know... They've got really nice games coming up against the Warriors and then the Dragons. Um, we saw that the Warriors conceded a lot of points to fullbacks just recently with um, Tom Trevojevic, and they also conceded a lot of points in general. Um, and I think Dane Laurie is well positioned to get really good score um, in that game and also against the Dragons. The run from round 13 definitely does toughen up uh, for the Tigers. You know, Panthers, Para, Storm, and uh, South is a really, really tough month ahead. And then round 17, they don't even play. But I think with Laurie, especially if you're focused on overall, I think having this round 13 playing number is really, really important. And he's shown that he can go big as well. And so I would probably be leaning to holding Laurie um, and trying to find someone else to trade to Nico Hines. I think anyone who doesn't play in round 13, you know, you've got to hang around, like say, if you've got like a Bailey Simonson, a day for Satua, if you've made a lot of money, you know, from trading, say, a Ryan Pappenhausen this week or a um, Dave Fafita, and you've got the money to go from Bailey Simonson to Nico Hines or a Dave Futtour, I 100% would be advocating that move because, as I said, I think overall the situation for Nico Hines is pretty solid. Um, and, you know, you should hopefully go up quite a bit in value to in the 700k, and then you can flip him in round 14 to a premium center wing or even a premium fullback, depending on the players you've got in your team, and you can make those dual position players kind of switch around um, to make that work for you. 
So I think trading Dane Laurie to Heinz, I can understand the rationale, but I don't think I'd be doing it if you are focused on overall. If you're a head-to-head player, I still think Laurie can you know perform really well, especially in this next fortnight. Um, but I probably would prefer Heinz to Laurie um, in that situation. So I think if you're more focused on head-to-head, Laurie to Heinz, I think is decent. For overall, though, I don't think I'd be doing the Dane Laurie to Nico Heinz move. Now, the next little situation I've put together is something that I have actually seen online in some forums as well, is should I get rid of King Gutherson for Nico Hines? Now, this really, really is intriguing as well. With Gutho, you know, he has had a couple of games where he hasn't really done too well after getting three tons. Um, they were tough, slightly, t- well, not really against the Warriors. We wouldn't call that a tougher game, but the game before that was against the Roosters, so a tough game. He's got Manly this week, and it's really hard to judge how Manly are going to perform in terms of conceding points uh, to opposition fullbacks because they haven't really versed any strong, strong opponents so far except for the Panthers. And Dylan Edwards in, in himself is not really one of those really high upside fullbacks as it is. So we haven't really seen Manly play up against like a, a Teddy or a, a Pappenhausen, etc. So it's really hard to judge how Gutherson's going to go. And I think Manly, you can consider that a toughish game. And then he's got Rabbitohs, which we know is a tough game as well. But the Rabbitohs do have a tendency to concede points. So I think the Eels might still be able to do okay there. I think the big reason for, you know, people looking to do this Gutherson to Heinz move is that Gutherson is 763k and a massive break even of 171. They're looking at that saying, well, I can do Gutherson to Heinz, pocket almost 200k, and then Heinz is going to go up in value by maybe 140k, uh, and Gutherson might go down by 80k based on some price change calculator if he uh, maintains his average of 82 in the next uh, three games. So I can definitely understand it from a financial you know, point of view in terms of capitalizing on the money growth from Heinz versus the loss from Gutherson. But again, similar argument to Laurie. I think if you are focused on overall, Gutherson is probably going to be one of the best kind of round 13 playing fullback options that we have. Obviously, this is all contingent on him not playing Origin. um, And we don't even know yet the rules in terms of the 18th man for State of Origin and whether they actually have to miss that round 13 week um, and go to camp with the rest of the team. Because that would really, obviously, you know, Gutherson probably would be a decent candidate to play 18th man for New South Wales. And then all that benefit of playing around 13 is lost. Uh, so I think if you are, you know, w- willing to take the punt, you can maybe do that Gutherson to Heinz move. And I think another reason why, say someone in my situation who my fullbacks are uh, Tedesco and Gutherson, watching Tom Tavoyevich um, rack up these tons and not owning him is really, really hard to, t- uh, really hard to take. Um, and with Manly as well, their draw from round 14 is really, really strong. Um, and I definitely want to be getting Turbo in at that time. It makes it a lot easier financially if I can go from Gutho to Heinz, um, you know, ride Heinz price increase and bridge the gap between going from Heinz to Turbo because Turbo is looking like he's going to potentially uh, reach the million dollar mark. And if Gutho con- continues to kind of drop in price, it's going to make that a little bit harder. So from that, for that reason as well, you can potentially look at maybe going uh, to Heinz if you're looking at a bit of a bridge to get to Tommy Turbo. Um, but overall, I think the way that uh, the suspensions are going, we don't know whether you know, how much that's going to continue for the rest of the season. Um, and with so many HIA suspension risk as well, I think saving trades is really important. So I think, you know, doing this extra trade, maybe Gutho to Heinz and then Heinz Turbo might not be worth it um, unless I really see Heinz outscoring Gutho by like 150, 200 points in the next three games. And I just don't see that quite happening. So it is a bold, bold move and it would create a lot of money. I just don't think I'd be doing it myself. Uh, but definitely is something to consider if you are looking to go really, really punty and get off Gutho and get onto Nico Hines.
So the next kind of player of concern, I think, is Siosio Takiaho. Um, I had to put the pun, is benching is his benching a uh, KO for TKO. The minutes really is a big concern in the past couple of weeks, especially last week. He only played 35 minutes um, against the Cowboys. Potentially, this is a thing with the Roosters in that uh, they might be protecting him. He's only just kind of coming back from that rib injury, um, and maybe they're saving him for like a... A, a tougher opponent for him to play bigger minutes because obviously they lost Lindsay Collins recently and I really thought with that um, his minutes were going to continue to be higher but being this you know, being named on the bench has been really strange um, and a real and you know the lack the lack of goal kicking that he had at the beginning of the season has really killed his kind of prospects at being a gun front row forward um, so he's definitely being very heavily sold this week and I can completely understand why in terms of the potential trade out options there's a few that you could look to in front row forward so I've identified maybe three potential uh, avenues you can go with your front row forward replacements for Takiaho. James Fisher-Harris is probably going to be the most popular option, I think, to bring in, given that he's had a couple of really nice weeks um, where he scored pretty big. Um, but he did score tries in both those games, so I would definitely take that um, into consideration in terms of his three-round average, which is 82, which is really, really strong. Um, Fisher-Harris, obviously, always has really strong base. I think he's been averaging around 50 to 51 um, points in base stats, which is really, really solid, you know, a solid floor to work off with, uh, for Fisher-Harris. Um, the problem is his minutes have been kind of down as well. He's been playing sub-50 minutes at times. Like, like it was a couple of weeks ago, he only played like 38 minutes and then played 48 last week. Um, and I would be hoping for a bit more than that to just kind of really be able to get the most points production out of him. But, you know, if he's scoring above 80, um, you know, with a, the ability to score tries as well, you can't really knock that too much. I just, for me, I don't know how appealed I am by Fisher-Harris. This happened to me last year where he had a run of games where he was doing really, really well. I bought him in, I think it was around round 10. So I think it was kind of around a similar time. And then he just went on a run where he was giving me like 44, 50, 48, 50, and nothing more than that, which is basically, he was just getting only base stats and he wasn't even doing like offloading or tackle breaking. And I think the last past couple of weeks, his scores have really been inflated by those, um, you know, by those tries, um, which probably also would include like line breaks and stuff as well. So I would definitely be considering that, you know, this try for him, I think that try that he scored a couple of weeks ago was his first in like over a year, some some really, really long time. I can't quite remember how long it was. So all of a sudden, I wouldn't be thinking that, you know, this is going to be a, re a, a reoccurring thing. I guess the appealing thing with Fisher-Harris is that he does play round 13. You know, that's probably the main thing as to why people are grabbing him. So for that reason alone, I think he's fine because he's probably going to get you 55 to 60 points in that round 13 week, which could be absolutely vital. So for all those reasons that I spent, just said, uh, you know, knocking on him, potentially, you know, his minute, um, his points uh, could be a bit inflated due to those tries and his minutes are a bit down. He's still going to be a decent option, I think, for round 13. So I think this Takiaho to Fisher-Harris move is pretty solid. I just don't think I'm going to be doing it myself. Another way that you could be approaching it is going with like a Luke Thompson, who's been doing really, really well recently. Um, apologies, in this table, I've got him at 303k. That's just a mis uh, mistype. He's actually priced around 509k, so he's a bit cheaper than Fisher-Harris. Um, he scored 75 last week, um, and he's definitely producing, like being the best, um, most consistent option in Supercoach points for the Bulldogs. Um, and he's averaging 68, which is really, uh, really, really strong for a front row forward, and basically all in base stats. One thing I would note with him is obviously the Bulldogs don't play in round 13, so if you're looking for overall, it's not really ideal in that he doesn't uh, provide an additional number in that 
uh, bye week. But he's a really great pickup, I think, for round 14 and 15 if he can uh, continue this point scoring because he will be kind of a handy 17th or 18th man um, and maybe your third front row four that you can run with uh, for the rest of the season. I would also just note that he hasn't—he has been playing uh, in this Bulldogs outfit uh, without Jack Hetherington and without Josh Jackson, who I think potentially could eat into his minutes when they do come back. Hetherington comes back from his suspension in round 12, um, and according to NRL.com, uh, Josh Jackson potentially may be coming back into the lineup in round 12 as well. So definitely, um, I think there's no need to rush into him. You know, he's got a break even of 43, so probably will go up a little bit in price. But I would definitely would want to be looking at how his minutes are shaping up when there's more middles kind of coming back into that Bulldogs lineup um, and then reassessing. And I think the fact that he doesn't play round 13 means it's pretty safe to just not have to rush him into your team straight away. And I think you can look to pick him up um, in round 14 and 15 once you get a better idea of his minute situation. Now, if you're looking for a kind of a front row forward trade to kind of maybe free up some money and but still also make up the round 13 numbers, um, Thomas Flegler from the Broncos could be a potential option. Um, he's been named at lock again this week after being at lock last week. Um, and he scored, I think, 50, uh, 51 points last week, which is pretty solid. Um, and he's got a three-round average of 43, uh, for which is for at his price is is fairly decent. Um, that's basically what Takiyo got 24 last week. So I think you know if you're paying 150k less for Flegler and you know getting an average of 43 over Takiyo, you definitely will take that. Um, he's got a pretty de- uh, decent base PPM at 0.84, um, which is a little bit less than Takiyo, and actually not quite as good as um, Fisher Harris and Luke Thompson. But again, this is probably also Taking into account there probably were some games that he was coming off the bench that would would be um, you know distorting his stats just a little bit. He's got a break even of eight, so you'd expect him to uh, start going up a little bit in value. So he could be one of those kind of mid-range front row forward options that you go to, who might be a bit of a slow burn, might make you maybe 50 to 60k, be a handy number in round 13 to net you like 40, 45 points, um, and maybe a stepping stone then to like a Tom Flegler to a Luke Thompson move. You could potentially go like that. You know, if you've got maybe an extra couple of trades that you've managed to save throughout the season and you can afford to do a bit of a downgrade and then do another trade to flip him to one of these other front row forwards, I think you could potentially do that with uh, Tom Flegler. Um, and, you know, with Pat Carrigan being out for the rest of the season, um, if he still maintains this uh, lock position, you know, he should be getting some reliable minutes and starts um, and his um, points production should be, uh, you know, he should be priced lower than what his... Uh, points is going to be basically so it's providing good value is what I'm trying to say so I think you can definitely go that route as well for Takiyaho I think if I had to choose out of any of these three for Takiyaho I'd probably go with Fisher Harris just because I think he's probably going to be the most safe and plays round 13 as well um, so I think he's probably the one that I would go for if I had to trade out Takiyaho this week in terms of if you know if Takiyaho is a sell he probably is a sell one thing that is stopping me though is that he has dropped quite a lot in price to 455k um, and I'm just hoping maybe for some bigger minutes in tougher games because he could potentially, um, you know, kind of come come around and be a decent play in round 17, which is definitely looking like a tougher bye week to kind of manage in terms of the players to get. So I'm potentially thinking about maybe just holding him. I won't play him in my 17, but just let him sit there because he's already lost so much money um, and maybe look at other players to trade around in my front row forward. Now, the next player who I think a lot of people will be looking to trade out potentially this week is Josh Curran. And I think a very similar argument with Takiyaho in that he was looking like a very, very handy round 17 playing option. Um, you know, he was averaging 64. He had the ability to, to get some attacking stats and he was averaging a very, very solid base as well. Um, but there was some concern in that he was benched last week, uh, but he's now got an injury and he should be out for about two to four weeks. So the question I think is whether he's gonna be a hold or a sell. 
I think two to four weeks is quite a lot of time. Um, I think he's only really a hold if you can manage to, you know, cover him around your team. Otherwise, he's probably a sell, um, and there are definitely going to be some interesting replacements for him in the second row forward position. We spoke a lot about him last week, but I think Ryan Madison is probably going to be the standout for me, given that he came back from uh, he's come back from his kind of um, you know layoff of from his concussion. Um, he's come back with some very very decent scores. Scored seventy five last week, including a try, and he was very close to cl- uh, scoring a second, which would have netted him a ninety plus score. So I think Madison definitely has that attacking potential. Plays in round thirteen by week. I don't think that he would be playing Origin. There has been some potential talk, but in my my opinion, I don't think he'll be kind of hanging around that New South Wales um, back row unless there are some injuries. I think Crichton um, and Frizzell probably have locked down that position. Uh, with a break even of 53 and a three-round average of 73, I think it's a great week to target getting Ryan Madison, and definitely I'll be looking to get him in. He's definitely going to be one of the uh, main trade targets in for me this week, and I don't think I have to talk about him too much more. He's a proven super coach gun. We can get him at a pretty ch- uh, cheap price at 585k, so I think if you can afford Josh Curran to Ryan Madison, I think that's a fantastic trade, and I definitely would be advocating that. Another guy that we can look to is uh, Jason Tamalolo. Now, with Tamalolo, I mentioned that in my roundup video, he's still apparently uh, suffering a bit of pain from his fractured hands um, that potentially might be limiting his impact. Uh, what we really want to see from Tamalolo, I think, is his minutes, and we have seen that in the past two weeks. Um, encouragingly, we've seen um, in his first game back from that extended injury a layoff, he played 71 minutes, and then last week he played 64. So the minutes are definitely there to potentially justify a trade-in, um, but um, the points just haven't quite been there yet. Obviously, the week before last, he scored like 100 plus. That didn't include a try. So yeah, I would kind of be looking more just at the base stats. Um, his break-in's 57, so I think he'll kind of maybe hover around this 582k if he kind of matches the same level of output that he did last week. You could go early on him as a bit of a pod move uh, to go for Tamalolo, but I think when you've got guys like Ryan Madison, you know, who do play in the round 13 bye week, I think he's a lot more of a better trade-in target than a Tamalolo at this point in time. The way I see Tamalolo, he's a perfect round 14 or 15 trade-in target because you know that the Cowboys will play in the round 17 bye week. He won't play State of Origin, um, and if we see the good signs from the next couple of weeks as well, you can lock him in at probably maybe only a little bit more expensive, maybe like 600k, um, and you lock him in for the rest of the season. Um, and you know, you can if you've got like a Mitch Barnett, Mitch Barnett to Tamalolo in round 14, it's probably going to be one of the most popular trades, um, and that'll be a very easy switch. So that's probably the way that I would play it with Tamalolo. But you can go early on him if you've already got say like a Madison, a Papali'i, these guys who already are good uh, good players in round 13. Um, one second round forward I did want to mention as well is Brandon Smith. Um, he's coming back from his suspension this week. Um, and the Storm have got a great draw, as I outlined when I was talking about Nico Hines. Um, and with no Harry Grant, you'd expect potentially bigger minutes uh, for Brandon Smith. Um, although we did see, we did say that at the beginning of the season, um, but we didn't see, you know, the points really, um, you know, match the minutes that we were hoping for. But with really nice games coming up against the Raiders, Broncos, and Titans, there might be some attacking stats on offer for Smith. Um, and the, in the two games before his suspension, I think he was scoring in the 60s, which is pretty handy. Um, and I think, you know, current to Brandon Smith is obviously less of a jump in terms of price. Um, and he will play in round 13, so he can make the numbers. He's a Kiwi. He won't play State of Origin. He's got a break even of 49, so I don't think you have to jump on him this week You know, if you want to do other trades, and with Curran as well. If you don't decide to trade him this week, he's not playing, so he won't change in value, so it's like he's safer to hold. 
um, you don't have to risk his price dropping. So I think Brandon Smith could be an enticing proposition, um, you know, if you want to take a look at him this week. Uh, but he could be a very uh, handy number in round 13 as well. And even throughout the origin period, given that you'd expect that Harry Grant would be away on duty um, with the Maroons and there might potentially be some rest for him. So Brandon Smith might get an extended stint at number nine um, and that might mean increased minutes as well. So I think Smith is an interesting proposition as well if you're looking for a replacement for Josh Curran. Now, I'll quickly touch on Josh Schuster as well, who I think is, uh, you know, obviously was a very, very hot discussion point last week, um, and a lot of people would have done that Josh Schuster to Tyson Gamble trade, and unfortunately that just didn't work out. There really seems like there's a bit of a lack of decent 5-8 options, and I think as we get closer to state of origin, um, the appeal of someone like a Jerome Loy also lessens, um, you know, with the greater risk that he plays state of origin and he misses that round 13 bye week. Um, and Adam Dewey, his price just keeps soaring and soaring, and it gets a little bit harder to reach him. Um, Adam Dewey is probably the best replacement at 5'8 uh, for Josh Schuster if you're looking for a guarantee uh, of a 5'8 uh, that plays in round 13. Um, but he's priced at 664k. Dewey, his break even is minus 14, so he's going to keep going up in price. As I kind of mentioned with Laurie, you know, the next two games for the Tigers are really, really nice. You know, the Warriors and then the Dragons. But I just keep thinking about that uh, round 13 run from, you know, the run from round 13, sorry. Uh, Panthers, Melbourne, South and Eels, I think it was. It's just a really, really tough month. And then they don't play in round 17. Obviously, Dewey's going to be a perfect stepping stone. You know, you can ride that pass, um, that price rise, capitalize on the points in the next fortnight, and then you can trade him down to like a Cody Walker or a Sean Johnson, potentially, um, you know, a 5 at that does play in round 17. That could be definitely be an, a viable strategy. So I still think that Dewey's a good trade-in target, um, and, but I just don't think I can afford it myself. So for me, personally, I think Shusun I'm probably just going to hold, and potentially even through the round 13 bye week as well. Um, Para is obviously a tough game this week. Knights, though, they've been conceding quite a few points. Um, and the man, the run-in for Manly from round 14 is is fantastic, really. They've got the Cowboys, the Titans, the Bulldogs, and then the Raiders. And the Raiders haven't shown that much so far in the past few weeks. So I think there's definitely some good attacking points on offer for someone like a Schuster. And also, if he does get a stint at 5'8", um, with Kieran Foran out of the side, we might see some extra attacking stats from him. So I think he's probably an okay hold. And if you were selling him, it probably was last week. But I think if you can get from Schuster to Dewey, I would advocate that trade. The only other option that I might think of doing as well is via Connor Watson, is like a Josh Schuster to a Reed Marnie trade. Reed Marnie has kind of had a bit of a reduced points um, output in the past few weeks. Um, he only scored 45 last week and he's got a really, really high break even of 115. So you'd expect that he's probably going to leak some more cash um, in the next few weeks. So I think if you are looking to still fill in the numbers in round 13, I think a Schuster to Reed Marnie trade um, come round 12, 13, when Reed Marnie's price really has tanked, is really going to be a solid trade. You know, Schuster's break even is 72, which isn't isn't that high, um, and he's definitely got a decent chance at reaching that. So I think his price is going to hover maybe around the 450, 60k mark, um, whereas Marnie might drop to sub 500 if his break even keeps you know being this high. So I think that's definitely a decent trade-in strategy as well, and that's definitely something I'm looking to doing as well, given that I don't think I can stretch from Schuster to Dewey. So some other quick questions as well that we'll cover off is like Ryan Pappenhausen, is he a sell? He's probably going to be a sell given that he's missing this week. Um, we're not quite sure yet if he'll come back in round 12, which it is against the Broncos, which is a game that you, you would want him for. But then round 13, he's probably going to play Origin. And I think with a break even, I think in like 180, he's probably going to be a sell. Now, in terms of the cheapies, it's not really a great week for cheapies, I think. Um, Javid Bowman is one who's heavily bought um, as he's a center for the Cowboys playing his third game. 
But I think with Justin O'Neill um, and Hamaso Tabuai Fido, um, they're both tipped for a round 13 return. So I think Javid Bowen is probably going to make you know make way out of that Cowboy side relatively soon. And I don't think you're going to be making that much money out of him. So I wouldn't be advocating uh, a Javid Bowen trade in myself. Uh, Max Fiongai, he's named on the wing again uh, with Dufty out of the team, with Cody Ramsey named at fullback. Um, so you might get a, um, a few games in, but the, secu- the security is really dependent, I think, on uh, Dufty's injury um, and when he returns. Also, also bear in mind that Ravalawa will be out for the next couple of weeks, but then I expect when he comes back and also Jordan Pereira comes back, um, then, Mac- then Max Fiongai is probably going to drop out of the 17 for the Dragons, so I don't think he's a great, cheapy prospect either. Um, Keenan Palacio from the Broncos, um, he's been given a run in the starting lineup with Jordan Rickey um, out through suspension, so he's definitely someone to monitor if his game time uh, continues, um, as he could be someone who plays in the round 13 bye week as well. Um, and finally, we've got Dean Aramia from the Storm, um, who's 173k cheapy. Um, I can't actually remember if he's named in the 17, um, but you'd expect with Josh Adokar and Ryan Pappenhausen playing Origin in round 13, or sorry, being an Origin camp in round 13, um, Dean Uremiel could come onto the uh, wing in replacement of Adokar, um, and a pretty decent game in round 13 against the Titans. So he could be one of those guys that you just pick up for 173k, um, just let him play in that week, and then he just kind of becomes a player who doesn't play for the rest of the year. But 173k, that's not too bad because that's bottom dollar. So that could be a potential cheapie as well, um, if you're not really too confident in these other guys. But it's not a great week with cheapies, that's for sure. So we'll get into the round 11 vice captain and captain candidates. As we saw last week, the captaincy and throughout this whole season has been so, so important in terms of you know really boosting your round score and your overall rank. Uh, we Cleary, 225. The week before, Turbo, 191. Pappenhausen, 197. Uh, the list goes on, so I think this is a super important section, so I really try to put some thought into this and not just chuck random names on a list. Um, it may seem that way, though, for the first uh, four guys that I've got here. Um, the VC options really aren't that great, and it's really about the back half of this round, I think, where our big hitters are going to be coming in. But I still wanted to put some kind of maybe potish VC captain candidates. Um, the first game of the round, Knights versus Cowboys. Looking into the stats, I think... I think Jaden Braley has been the most consistent player from the Knights that we can probably consider. Uh, Cowboys have been pretty middle of the road in terms of defending uh, hooker position. Um, and uh, Jaden Braley has been averaging around 74, so he's pretty safe um, if you want to go for a really safe VC score. Um, but to be honest, I don't think that's going to be a great VC candidate. Uh, and from the Cowboys side, if you wanted to consider someone, you can go with like maybe a Val Holmes, um, as the Knights have definitely shown the uh, capability of leaking a lot of points. Um, but Braley, if you're looking for someone from the Knights, could be maybe a decent VC option. Um, Tigers versus the Warriors, I think the best option is either going to be um, Adam Dewey or Dave Nofaluma. So Adam Dewey, probably I would edge over Nofaluma, given that the Warriors concede the second most points to centers. Um, and I've put the center stat for Dewey, given that's where he's playing, um, which is why it's also applicable for Nofaluma, as he also plays in that kind of center wing position. Um, because of Dewey's goal kicking, I'd have to give the edge to him. Um, we've seen in the past two weeks he can easily crack a ton. So I think the Warriors have been conceding a lot of points. So I think Dewey is a, probably going to be the perfect VC candidate option. Um, and you can put that because they play on a Friday and I think on the first game on the Friday. So he's a very, very safe VC candidate in my opinion. If I owned him, I'd be putting the VC on him. Um, in also the same game, we've got Cody Nikarima, who has shown an ability this season to get really, really big scores like in the 100+. plus. 
Tigers themselves aren't you know aren't that great in terms of defending, um, and they do concede a lot of points as well. Um, they've been the fifth worst team at defending the halfback 5A position. So Nicarima, who also goal kicks, could have a really high ceiling in this game. He's coming for 66 last week against the Eels, which you know the Eels are a very tough uh, opponent. So 66 is not horrible. So I think for VC as well, if you're going really really pod, you could go with Nicarima, but I don't think too many people would own him. So I think Dewey's probably going to be a bit more of a relevant VC option. Um, finally, again, this is very, very pottish, but it's the um, it's AJ Brimson against the Bulldogs. Um, given that they're versing the Bulldogs, I felt entitled to put someone from the Titans, um, and the Bulldogs have been the fourth worst team at defending fullbacks. Um, Brimson has had a very up and down season. He's had shown, shown glimpses of what um, made him a really good super coach player at the back end of last season, but he's had a lot of games where he just hasn't really done too much. Last week was one of those where he only scored 47, albeit it was against the Penrith Panthers, who are the best team in the comp. Um, in my opinion. So Brimson could be a big bounce back game against the Bulldogs who just concede points in general. So he could really be a, a decent VC option. But again, I don't think he's going to be very heavily owned. So he's probably not going to be that relevant. I think now is when we start getting into probably the real kind of meat and potatoes of our VC captain options. So the first game um, that I'd probably really consider someone is Sam Walker and James Tedesco uh, with the Roosters taking on the Broncos. Um, given that this is probably the first matchup, I think that at least myself um, could realistically uh, vice captain someone. You could vice captain one of these two guys, or you could just put the straight captaincy on them as well. Um, so I think either way, you're not going to get too wrong with that. Broncos have been the worst team in the comp at defending halfbacks and fullbacks, which is why I've got Sam Walker and Tedesco. Tedesco, we know what he can do. He scored 132 last week, and that didn't include a try. Um, the, the guy just showed us. You know, he probably heard, he probably heard all the turbo chatter. And was like, let me just show you guys. You know, don't forget about me. I'm still the number one fullback in New South Wales, at least in Freddie Fittler's eyes. <laughs> um, and Sam Walker, who goal kicks, he really could have a monster score. And we saw him get 163 against the Knights. So he's definitely got that ceiling in him. So I think one of these two definitely can be very, very reliable captain options. I think a lot of people will go straight captaincy on Tedesco. I just might go vice captain myself, um, but we'll, I haven't made that decision yet. But I think Sam Walker, Tedesco, fantastic options this week. Um, Nico Hines making his debut on the captaincy shout. Um, coming up against the Raiders, who have severely weakened. They've been the fifth worst at defending fullbacks as well. So I think Nico Hines could have another great game. He's coming off 182. Um, do I need to say any more? Um, Nico Hines has obviously shown that ability to get a really high ceiling. He's going to be very heavily traded in this week. So he could really be a pod captaincy option as well, or even a vice captain, of course. Um, so I think Nico Hines, again, um, there's probably, you might not put the captaincy on him. But this might, you know, help your decision as to whether to bring him in, given that the Raiders are really good at conceding points to fullbacks. Now, the man of the moment, Nathan Cleary, uh, against the Rabbitohs, who have been obviously a very decent defense. They've been middle of the road in terms of defending points to, to halfbacks. But to be honest, I wouldn't consider that really at all. I mentioned this last week. The stat, I think, against the Titans was that the Titans were the 10th best, sorry, the 10th, um, 10th worst team. So there was only like four or five other teams that were better at defending halfback in terms of points conceded um, than the Titans. And Nathan Cleary said, stuff that, I'm going to score 225. So I think someone like Cleary, he's a bit of a unicorn. It doesn't matter really who he versus. He's always going to be a very, very safe captain option. I think the way that I'm probably leaning myself this week is probably a vice captain Tedesco and a captain Cleary because I think he's safe as houses. He can easily rack up 90, 100 plus, you know, I don't, do I need to say any more? It's Nathan Cleary. He's got 225. I think he's going to be a great captain option. The The last game of the round is really, really enticing, and it's one that I'm really interested to see how it plays out, just in terms of an overall NRL perspective as well. Um, sea Eagles against the Eels. 
Um, Manly have been the second worst team at defending fullbacks this season. I do think a lot of that, though, comes from the early parts of the season when they had, didn't have turbo um, and were just getting absolutely hammered. Um, you know, I think Teddy scored 162 against them in the first game of the season. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't know how much I would read into that statistic that they've been the second worst team at defending fullbacks, but potentially that might mean that there's some big points on offer for Clint Gutherson. So I think you can really go for a pod uh, captain option on Gutherson. But I think, to be honest, I've got him on this list here, but I think I would consider the likes of Turbo, Cleary, um, and Tedesco Walker over Gutherson. So I think unless you're really, really going for a differential pod, uh, I don't think I'd be going for Gutherson, even though that Manly have seemed to concede a lot of points to fullbacks. Uh, and finally, the man Tom Trevojevic against the Eels. Eels have been a very, very staunch defence uh, to fullbacks, uh, 14th best in the comp. Oh, sorry, 14th worst in the comp. Um, so basically, there's only been two other teams that are better at defending fullbacks than the Eels. Um, so this really is going to be a big, big test for Turbo. We did see in his other tough game uh, against the Panthers, he scored 68, which is obviously a very, very solid floor. But apart from his other games where he's cracking tons, uh, we'll see maybe this might be the second game that he doesn't get a ton. So I think captaining Turbo is probably still going to be safe. You know, I think we know that the guy is a freak and he can score 100 plus against anyone. He's matchup proof. But I think I'd probably be leaning towards like a Cleary um, if I didn't own like a Tedesco. Um, I would probably captain Cleary over a Turbo. Uh, but just purely because it's Eels and it's a pretty tough defense. Um, and I would think that Turbo probably isn't going to reach the heights that we've seen in the past few weeks. Although in saying that, we saw Reese Walsh get 100 against the Eels last week, and he was kind of playing fullback. So I think Tovovic, he could actually get 100 plus, but I think I'd still prefer uh, a Cleary or a James Tedesco. Just keep that in mind if you are captaining a Turbo, um, and that his ceiling might not be quite as high as what we've seen in the past other few weeks. Now, in the final part of the video, I'll just go through the break-evens uh, for all the teams and players. I'm really happy to see that a lot of you guys commented last week that you were happy to see the break-evens because I wasn't actually quite sure if they were still relevant, but I'll definitely continue to keep them in the videos given the positive feedback I got on that. So, from the Broncos, I think, as I mentioned, the main one is probably going to be Tom Flegler, who's got a break-even of 8, so it's a really good week to pick him up because he will probably start to go up in value quite a bit, and he can be a decent mid-range front row forward option. Um, in terms of the other more popular players from the Broncos, uh, Jermaine Sarko has got a break-even of 100. So if you were looking for a round 13 playing center, you could maybe wait on Sarko, given that they've also got really tough games against the Roosters and then the uh, Storm. So I would expect him to go well below that break-even of 100. So, so he might be a good one to pick up um, after the next fortnight in round 13. I um, mean, hopefully he's lost a bit of cash and you can pick him up at a bit of a discounted price. I would say a similar logic with uh, Tafita Bangai Jr., who's got a break-even of 98 tough games I don't know how well he's going to do especially against the storm uh, roosters might concede some points on an edge uh, but I think you can do the same approach if you haven't got him in already I think it's safe to wait a fortnight before looking to get him in um, uh, into your front row forward or second row forward uh, on the Bulldogs, as I've kind of touched on, I think the main consideration is going to be Luke Thompson. He's got a break-even of 43, which I think is very, very gettable. So if you are really keen on getting him, it's a good week to do so, as you probably will start to creep up a bit more in price as well. On the Raiders, Bailey Simonson's got a break-even of 2. So I know, I know a lot of people would probably be looking to maybe do a Simonson to Hines trade. Even though Simonson's break-even is very, very low, I still think that Simonson's uh, Simonson to Hines trade is very good but if you can't afford to hold Simonson I think it's okay he should go up one more time in value um, you know try and make as much money out of, uh, as you can out of him um, I don't know what his break even would be the next week um, but he did have that big score last week 
sorry, not last week, the week before last. So once that score does drop out of his rolling um, average, I'd expect that break even to go quite high. So potentially next week, if you're not looking to trade him out this week, you can probably wait till next week, get his price up a little bit more, and then you can look to trade him out. And I guess the other main guy would probably be like a Ryan James. Um, he's got a break even of 47. With Papali E out of the team, uh, maybe Ryan James gets a few more minutes and might get to creep up to that 47. He's been kind of hovering around the mid-30s. So if he does, hopefully he can at least hold his value. Maybe if he's able to jag a try or something, he can go up a bit in price. But I'm not too hopeful of that. Um, and Corey Hariru Naira, CHN. He's <laughs> um, got a break-even of 22, price at 375k. I gave some thoughts on him in uh, a video a couple of weeks back. I think he's played 80 minutes um, since he's come back into the starting lineup. So I think he's been pretty safe. Again, he's one of these guys though that I think when you're prioritizing round 13 playing options, he obviously doesn't fall into that category. But I think he's still a handy pickup with a break-even of 22. Probably going to go up a little bit in price. So I think he's a safe mid-range second way forward option. Um, although I probably would prefer maybe like a Liam Martin or even like a Satili uh, Tupanur instead um, if I was looking in that price category for a second row forward or maybe even a Brandon Smith. Um, on the Dragons, uh, again, there's probably not going to be too much relevance now that they've got so many players out of consideration. I guess with the vast number of players who are out of suspension, I would just be keeping an eye on the team list for potential cheapies to, uh, who crop up. Um, Jack Bird is probably going to be one guy who might uh, get some interest because the Dragons run in is very, very nice now for the next few weeks. He's got a break even of 17, so I think he's an okay pickup for this week as well for your center wing um, if you're looking to add a round 13 player. Um, given that break even, he's probably going to go up in price, and the Dragons draw is really, really nice for the next month or so. Um, from the Sea Eagles, similar, you know, familiar targets, you know, Jason Saab, a minus 38 break even. I can't believe it. This guy's going to get to 500k. And I look like a fool now for selling him, but anyway, Saab, he'll make you more money. Keep him in your team. Tom Javovich, this is crazy. He's got a 800, he's 831k, and he's got a minus nine break even. If he cracks a ton against the Eels, we could easily see him get to maybe a million dollars, which, you know, that little section I talked about before from like doing Gutho to Heinz to Turbo, just to be able to, you know, bridge the gap. This is the reason why. Minus nine break even at that price already. He very, very easily could get to the million dollar mark. Obviously, I probably wouldn't be buying it at a million dollars. It's just going to be really, really hard to watch Turbo um, and not earn him. Um, as I mentioned, Josh Huster, he's got a break even of 72. So I think that's not too out of reach for him. So I think he's okay to hold, given that I don't think he's going to be changing in price that much. Again, Nico Hines, minus 67 break even. He's going to make a lot of money. Um, Josh Adokar is actually someone as well who I didn't touch on, who will play obviously in these nice easy games, but I expect him to be playing State of Origin, and I wouldn't be buying Josh Adokar at 668k. I think if you wanted to buy him, the time was just after he got that six try effort. Um, I think the time's a bit past that now. Um, and as I touched on with Ryan Pappenhausen, a break even of 192, uh, which we know he can get, uh, but at 815k, I think a Ryan Pappenhausen down to a James Tedesco makes so much sense this week. You can pocket 300k, get a nice juicy matchup against the Broncos, um, and use that money to go Bailey Simonson to Nico Hines. You know, that's probably a good pair of trades. So I think Pappenhausen with that high break even is probably a sell. Um, on the night side, there's not too much interest given that the way that they've been playing. I think Bradman Best is probably someone who I did kind of, you know, spruce up as a bit of a good pod, uh, not pod, good center wing consideration, but he just hasn't been doing that well. He's got a break even of 76, so he could be really, really cheap come round 13, um, and that's probably the only reason, 
I'd probably get him in if he becomes that cheap because so far he's been producing good base stats but he's just not getting the the, the attacking stats like the try line the try assists um, to justify getting him into our center wing but if he comes in that cheap then it might be worthwhile um, on the Cowboys, Javid Bowen, obviously with a minus 37 break-even, very, very popular trading target for this week, but I've already given my thoughts on him, and I think there are some job security issues there, so I don't think I'd be going for him. Um, Val Holmes, got a break-even of 92, but I think now we're so close to set of origin, I don't think now is really the time to pick him up. Just keep monitoring that break-even, though. Uh, he could be a very handy pick-up um, for round 14-15, um, as he's shown he's a very, very decent centre-wing um, consideration. Uh, for the Eels, probably someone I'm going to touch on a little bit more next week is going to be Mitch Moses. He's got a break even of uh, 28, um, and I think he's going to be a very, very good kind of round 13 playing halfback option if you are looking to move off Sam Walker. I'll touch on a little bit more on Sam Walker um, in the next part when we get onto the Roosters break evens. Uh, but I think Mitch Moses could be a decent round 13 playing halfback uh, consideration. Um, Isaiah Papali'i with a break even of 131, he's probably going to start going down in price and I probably, obviously in hindsight, probably shouldn't have gone from last week but it was too tempting against the Warriors so whatever, I accept the decision but if you haven't got him yet, I think you can hopefully see his price start to go down um, if he keeps hitting these 50 scores instead of the 125s that we were seeing. Um, and Ryan Madison with a very nice break even of 53, I think is a great trade and target for this week with a very achievable uh, break even. Um, from the Panthers, Charlie Staines with a minus 43 break-even. Very, very nice to see. He should start going up in price. Um, as will Stephen Crichton with a minus 25 break-even. 506k, he could also be someone that you could plug into your round 13 centers. But as I mentioned a little bit last week, I really prefer the wingers. They seem to be getting all the tries um, and all the base. Not Charlie Staines, but other wingers do. Um, so I would probably prefer other center wings to Stephen Crichton. Um, like I went for a Mac... Mac, um, Mac. Uh, I went for Matt Cavallo last week over a Stephen Crichton. Nathan Cleary, minus 19, 864k. He also could be our million dollar man, him and Turbo. So wouldn't be doing anything with those two except keeping him in your team. Uh, on the Sharks side, to be honest, there's not really anyone I'm really considering. So I'm just going to really kind of skip over them. Um, from the Rabbitohs, we've got Tane Milne, who's got a break even of three. I can't quite remember how many games he's played, but um, if, he's, if he's about to play his third game, he might be a good... Um, cheapy, uh, cheapy consideration. Um, I just haven't done enough uh, insight, or I haven't looked into him too much to really recommend him. Uh, on the Roosters, as I mentioned, James Tedesco has got a break even of five, so he's definitely going to be getting his price in the right direction. So I think, as I mentioned, Pappenhausen down to Tedesco is a great trade, even maybe a Gutho to Tedesco, but I think Gutho will probably be playing round 13, so I don't think I'd be doing that trade. Now, the main guy I probably do want to talk out of the Roosters was Sam Walker. He's got a break even of 131. Um, and 629k really he's made like what like 460 70k something like that so he's made so much money i think this week is not the week to be selling sam walker though if you are looking to given that they're coming up against the broncos as i mentioned i think sam walker is a potential captain consideration so i don't see any reason why i'd be selling him this week but i think next week definitely we're going to be talking a little bit more about sam walker trade targets because i think a lot of people will probably be looking to sell him next week um, for like a Jerome Hughes uh, or for like a Mitch Moses but I think for this week even though they've got that really high break even I would ignore that um, and happily play in your 17 against the Broncos. Uh, with the Titans I don't think there's anyone really to discuss. Um, Tyron Peachy if you do own him I think he's probably going to be a hold. He will miss the next two games but playing in the round 13 bye week I think is very crucial um, so I think I would just hold it and hopefully you have some other cover in your center wing um, in his absence. And David Feeder. Break even of 145. If you didn't sell him this uh, last week, 
Um, I think he's still a good sell for this week, given that he's got that really, really high price tag. Um, out of the Warriors, you know, given that they don't play in round 13, I don't think you're really going to be looking at these guys up until maybe round 14 if you're focused on overall. Uh, one guy who I do really like is Chanel Harris-DeVita, a bit of a pod um, in the halves. Um, he's priced at 417k, he's got a break even of 20, so I think if you were looking to go for him uh, early as pod, uh, now could be a good week given that um, he's probably going to go up in price with that low break even. Uh, and finally on the Tigers, as I mentioned, Adam Dewey, minus 14 break even versus Dane Laurie, he's got 107 break even. I've given my reasons as to why I probably would hold Dane Laurie, um, and I still think Adam Dewey is a great buy um, with a minus 14. And one other guy was Sean Bloor. So Sean Bloor had his first game last week, and he only scored 14 points in around 20 minutes, I think. So his break-even is 34. I think he preseason he was a very popular kind of cheapie um, in second row forward, but I think it really depends on him playing bigger minutes um, on an edge. Coming on playing 20 minutes is not going to do anything really as a cheapie prospect in terms of a cash cow. So I think there's no rush to bring, bring him in. I think definitely you can wait for this week, even the week after. He probably won't go up that much in price if his break-even hangs around that 35. Um, but I would definitely be monitoring him because I think if he does seem like he gets a stint playing 80 minutes, um, he'd be a great cash cut option at that point in time. And not for Luma, I think is a good trade and target. Break even of 29 at 540k. Um, playing in round 13, um, his base stats have been a little bit lower than the previous years. His base is about 29 a game. Um, but And also playing next to Dewey. Uh, Dewey loves to run himself. He doesn't really pass that much. Um, so that could hinder Nofaluma, but I still think Nofaluma is an okay trade and target for this week as well, given that the Tigers have a nice set of two games and they're playing round 13. Well, that's it, guys. That's the round 11 trade targets and round preview. Apologies if my, if my voice was going in and out. Um, I had a bit of a really bad sore throat last week and a bit of a cold. Still just a bit on the mend, uh, but hopefully you guys are able to sit through that and got some value out of this in terms of some trade and targets for this week. If you did, would really appreciate a thumbs up on the video. Do please consider subscribing to the channel if you haven't already. Um, but until then, see you guys in the next video.